Hey, this is David Hudson from the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast, and you're listening to my good friend Stephen Michael on Growing Up Rock. David, what's going on, my friend? Welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Uh, just uh, enjoying a day off and going to get to talk some music with uh, like-minded people. I'm looking forward to it. The band we're going to talk about today is, is one of your favorite bands, the Black Crows. Yeah, I would definitely say they're guitar-driven and in a time when um, rock and roll uh, became less rock and roll, uh, so to speak, they stayed uh, true to their roots and uh, really never wavered from that and didn't really uh, dip their toes in any of the uh, trends of the time. So uh, a lot of respect for them. They are my favorite band of all time, and I've seen them uh, upwards of probably close to 20 times. Wow. So. Uh, Definitely enjoy talking about the Black Crows. Well, have you heard? Have you heard the story of what Rick Rubin wanted to change their name to? I have not. All right. So this is confirmed by by Steve Gorman. He's talked about it. So obviously you're from Atlanta, and I'm I'm pretty familiar with the area. the The Robinson brothers grew up in Marietta, which is in Cobb County. Yep. And Rubin actually wanted them to name themselves the Cobb County Crows with all K's. Uh, that would have been good. KKK. Yeah, that would have sold well. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. And, yeah, and uh, that it's been long. This kind of like urban urban legend, and then Steve Gorman. I've, I've heard him recently on an interview. He's the drummer for the Black Crows. Confirm it, and then he said they just were like in utter shock that anybody would even suggest that. That's hilarious. That's uh, yeah. That's somebody who gets a great idea in their head, or at least they think it's a great idea and doesn't necessarily think it through or aren't completely educated enough to think it through, you know. Right. It's, it's just interesting. So um, so we're going to talk about a two-night concert stint that the Black Crows did in Atlanta at the Tabernacle, right? That is correct. Uh, now, did you go both nights? I did. I actually um, I got in town a day earlier and went to see uh, Roger Waters performed the wall at uh, Phillips Arena. I had uh, third row dead center seats for that. Wow. And, yeah. And uh, the Crows were in town and it was there. Uh, they were they were calling it a hiatus. Um, I think everybody thought they were probably breaking up for good. Uh, it was called Say Goodnight to the Bad Guys. And I'd already caught two shows back to back nights um Earlier, I saw them at Mud Island, which is really cool. It's an amphitheater kind of located basically on the, the Mississippi River in Memphis. And then I drew uh, drove the next night to uh, Biloxi, Mississippi to see them. So I'd already seen them two shows on this tour, but I never had been able to see them in their hometown. And uh, years earlier, I had been to a concert to see at, at the Tabernacle to see Oasis. And so I thought it was one of the coolest venues. And so there was just no way I was going to get, a, you know, miss a chance to see them in their hometown, let alone two nights in a row. Now, David, what part of the country do you live in now? Right. Yeah, I actually live in uh, Madison, Mississippi, which is uh, just a suburb of Jackson. So uh, two and a half hours to uh, New Orleans, th- three hours to Memphis. So uh, kind of centrally located, easy to get to both both cities. Hey, you live in a good spot for uh, for shows. You can either hit, you know, New Orleans, Biloxi, or or uh, Memphis. Right, and I tell you, um, it's Tupelo actually gets uh, some good concerts. I think I think there's kind of this allure of people wanting to go play in Elvis's hometown. Uh, I actually saw Kiss up there, wow. um, and uh, 
you're, you're going to be on my podcast uh, in a couple of weeks and we're going to talk about that kiss show there. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, I'm kind of centrally located to a lot. So, uh, can't complain. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So, um, so you pulled into town, um, and you got a full packed, uh, um, uh, three days plan. Then you're going to see, uh, two sold out nights at the tabernacle, uh, with the black crows, which was your favorite band. And then, uh, you also got to take in, uh, Roger Waters at Phillips. So damn, uh, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. I, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I stayed at the, uh, uh, Omni, uh, CNN center. And so, uh, um, walking distance of everything could didn't you didn't really even have to leave CNN Center to get into Phillips and just walked basically a block or two to the Tabernacle and if people if 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 people have never been to the Tabernacle in Atlanta it's it's actually an old Tabernacle uh, near uh, Centennial Park and when you go there it it, it can would you say it could hold three thousand people maybe. I don't think it holds that many. Um, it's got, uh, again, that's another venue that I work at and it's got, um, uh, it's got two or three balconies and then an open general admission floor. Um, it was the origination of that place is that, uh, to begin with, it was an old church, um, like old, old church, uh, an old Baptist church. And they converted it into a house of blues uh, for the Olympics when the Olympics were here in what was that, 96 or something, 98, 96. So they converted it to a house of blues. And then uh, after the Olympics left town, um, eventually uh, they folded up shop as the house of blues and they they opened up this tabernacle uh, concert venue. And uh, I think it holds um, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,800 to 2,200 people. Okay. Um, the, the new Roxy uh, Theater that they opened up holds 3,000 people, which is um, uh, they opened up a new Roxy Theater uh, just outside of SunTrust Park. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was actually there for uh, the opening game at SunTrust. Yeah. And uh, we entered right by the theater, and uh, it looked really nice. Yeah, it is. It's it's it's. I mean, it's a great place to to see in uh, a live show. Um, uh, I think uh, Rob Zombie is coming in a week or two, which uh, should be interesting. But uh, they've got a nice setup there uh, at that Roxy Theater. Yeah, Tabernacle's a beautiful place. I've seen a lot of shows there. Um, and so definitely if you're in the Atlanta area and you got the opportunity to check out a show there, you should, you should take in the tabernacle. It's got some cool stuff, uh, around there. But so you come into town, what was, um, were you, who were you with, uh, at that point, who was going to the shows with you? Well, I, um, uh, I, I drove into town by myself and, uh, one of my best friends from college lives in, uh, Marietta. And so he had uh, gotten us the tickets for Roger Waters. So I went to that with him. And then um, Friday night uh, for the Crows, a friend of mine from South Carolina drove down, went to that show with me. And then my buddy that went to see Roger Waters went with me to see the uh, Saturday Night Crows show. So uh, it was fun getting to see old college friends and just having a, just having a good time enjoying ourselves. That's cool. So when did, when did you first get into the Black Crows? How did you get into that band? 
Well, I had uh, Shake Your Money Maker and so I actually had all their albums. And I was just a, I guess you would say, a casual fan of them through the 90s. And then, man, I guess it was 98 or 99. It's one of those things like I can't really explain. Just all of a sudden, I I totally just had this moment where I got them and became obsessed with them. Uh, From probably 98 to 2002, 2003, they were probably... 70% 70% of what I listen to. And I just have, I have countless bootlegs, um, you know, have everything they've ever put out, everything that, that they've put out, you know, solo wise. And, um, just, just really grew to appreciate how good of a band they were, especially for the time in which we lived in. And, um, you know, so the so- Southern Harmony and Musical Companion is my favorite album of all time. And uh, it's it's one that I, I put that in. I listened to it all the way through. But yeah, it's just one of those things, you know. All of a sudden, it just it just occurred to me. And this this is the, my this is the best band I've ever heard. And um, what's your favorite just, tune off of that record? Off of uh, Southern Harmony, my morning song. Oh yeah, 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 my morning song. Uh, and live, that's a that's a monster, man. They can stretch that out, you know, twelve. 15 minutes if they have to but yeah it's definitely my favorite song on that album and you know I, I, the, the interesting thing about the crows you think about it we've talked about this on my podcast before the fact that they were able to be successful with shake your money maker is is really interesting because you know when that album came out motley crew guns and roses poison def leopard are just dominating the charts and those guys you know, you're not going to confuse the Black Crows with Poison any it, at all. And Shake Your Moneymaker was able to somehow navigate through all of that, and uh, you know, it was just really successful, especially for the the time. And of course, Southern Harmony came out and debuted at number one, which was uh, which was which was really special at the time because you just didn't people weren't listening to that kind of music uh, well, back then. Well, see, I think I think that's exactly why it, it did really well and here's here's my theory on that. So you just said it, right? The the majority of stuff uh, that was king at that time was stuff like Motley Crue and Poison and and all that stuff. So uh, definitely Black Crows not not like that, but Black Crows still rock and roll. So I think that they I think they filled uh, an avenue um, that was vacated. Everybody lived in the one, you know, down the one street where you had Motley Crue and you had Poison, you had Bon Jovi, and you had all these bands that were sort of similar. It's not that they sounded exactly like, but they they were sort of similar, right? It was all the hair and it was all the the hard rocking guitars and all that stuff. Whereas right. Black Crows were kind of just a, a dirty Southern bluesy rock and roll band so um you know and and true and and the other thing is they just had really really catchy songs so i think they bought a completely different audience to the party without alienating um people that just flat out liked rock and roll right yeah that's actually a very good point yeah and you know and they got packaged with some with some bands especially over in europe uh, you know, with like Metallica and Skid Row and, and things like that. So uh, they got exposed to, you know, people, that, the fans that were, uh, you know, big into that kind of music. But yeah. 
So, uh, so let's let's go back to that night of that concert. Um, uh, was one did one night stand out more than the other night? You went to the two nights uh, sold out. So did, was one night better than the other? The the second night um, for me was one of my favorite concert experiences of all time. Okay, and why so? Well, you know, like I said, this was a uh, their their farewell tour, or at least we thought. And what they were doing was they were playing uh, two sets. First set would be acoustic. Second set would be electric. You know, and then obviously they would do an encore. And I was always jealous of the fact that people would get to go see them in, like, let's say Boston or New York, where they would do a three or four night run, and they would get to see, get to hear these really deep album cuts. Now, if you follow the Crows, they, for their entire history, they you know changed their set list up every night, but. For whatever reason, the shows that I went to had, had seen them before. They just didn't get into some of the unreleased material, which I had all, and I had bootlegs of all the unreleased material, and they would have some really cool covers. And I was always frustrated because uh, I never got to see those, you know, those shows. And these two shows in Atlanta, when it was over with, I got the set list out, and basically there was there was nothing left that I haven't heard. That, uh, that I had been wanting to hear them play live. And that's one of the things that just really stood out uh, to me about those two shows, especially the, the second night. Right, right, right. Any particular songs that were highlights for you? Oh, yes. Uh, Torn and Frayed, which is a Rolling Stone song off of uh, Exile on Main Street. It's one of my favorite Stone songs. They played that acoustically. Uh-huh. Uh, they played uh, Girl from a Pawn Shop acoustically off the uh, Three Snakes and a Charm album. Uh-huh. And um, then they went in at the, the second set, an unreleased song called Title Song, which is kind of a cult classic amongst uh, the fans. Uh-huh. And also a cover of Fearless by Pink Floyd off Pink Floyd's metal album. And I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan, and that's one of my favorite Pink Floyd songs. So, you know, to be able to hear them uh, play that was really special because they didn't play it a lot. And uh, the encores, they did uh, Traffic's Feeling All Right. And, I mean, that's a, that's a song that's just custom built for the Crows. Uh, and they closed with uh, Oh Sweet Nothing, which is a Velvet Underground song that, uh, if you've never heard it, uh, go on YouTube and find the Crows version of it, and uh, it will really uh, it'll change you. It's really something special, and so it was just it was just fun because I, I was getting to see them in their hometown, and I was getting to see them play these songs that I had so longed to hear them play. And um, so, it was can, just, I, can I make an observation? Yeah. <laughs> so. So my observation was you were telling me about the highlights of this concert for you and and the majority of stuff that stood out for you, which I'm not, it's not right or wrong. It's how you feel and that's cool. But the majority of stuff that stood out for you were all cover tunes. It, It wasn't any of the Crows original stuff. Well, yeah I, yeah, I agree with you on that. But like, well, for instance, Hotel Illness is one of my favorite songs. That stood out. I was just pointing out some of the songs that, that I had seen, you know, had, had never been able to hear them play live. Yeah, okay. The, uh, yeah, the, the, for instance, before they went to the encore, No Speak, No Slave um, was one of those moments. The enti- That's the ent- a great song. I love that song. When when they kick, when they kick into it, uh, th- this was no joke. The floor... 
the tabernacle was shaking. Yeah. Um, the crowd was just into it, and, and, and they were just killing it. But they played uh, uh, an unreleased song called Darling of the Underground Press that I really like. I've never been able to see. And uh, they played uh, Goodbye Daughters of the Revolution, which is off the War Paint album, which we discussed before we went on there is an awful album, but that's a song I actually uh, actually enjoy. But yeah, the second night, man, uh, it was fun. And I tell people, and I'm sure you've experienced this, you know, if, if you're like us and you like music like we do, it's just in your DNA and you can't you can't get away from it. And when they were playing Feeling All Right, I, I don't know how to explain it. And if people are out there listening to this and they don't understand what I'm about to say, they're probably going to think I'm crazy. But it was just this feeling of it felt like it was just you and the band and the band you were in sync with them and it was almost like the music was so good it was almost like you were levitating and and I just I, that's ingrained in my mind for that one song just thinking this is something very very cool and I'm getting to experience it and I feel like it's just me that's experiencing it and, and you're definitely David you're definitely a true music fan because I can I can tell in the passion uh, in your voice that, you know, I mean, you're, and you're, you're, you're much more open-minded and kind of all over the map musically. And it's not, it's not that, um, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely consider myself a music fan. I listen to a lot of different stuff, but, um, for me, uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, I'll listen to this because I'm in the mood for it, or I'll listen to that because I'm in the mood for it. You're, you're definitely all over the map in terms of some of your passions. Like, um, I mean, you're a huge Pink Floyd fan, um, and you're a huge Black Crows fan, but then, you know, you're, you're a huge, like Roxy Blue fan. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's definitely a little bit different. Like I live, I live, uh, more in, um, the probably the hard rock uh, and metal mainstream, um, and that doesn't mean that I won't listen to or enjoy Black Crows or, or Prince or, or even a good pop tune once in a while, just depending. And then I like stuff like uh, I'm a huge Steely Dan fan, uh, and I love Steely Dan, um, which definitely is not metal <laughs> right so, right so but you're you know that's one of the cool things about your podcast is um digital killed the radio stars you know you guys you guys will cover um uh rem one day and and cover uh uh roxy blue the next day and and just you know it's it's whatever uh so you guys cast a wide net um, whereas, uh, you know, we, uh, growing up rock, we kind of, um, uh, stick more to, um, the hard rock and metal, of the late seventies, eighties and nineties. And that's just kind of what, what our, we know more about that than anything else. And, and so that's kind of why we live there, but, um, kudos to you, man. Um, what, you know, you, you 
I just heard the the Todd Poole interview that you guys did, and mm-hmm. it it was amazing. You guys, he's he's a great interview. You guys got some really good stuff out of him. I'm looking forward to part two whenever you guys sit down with him again. Uh, so that's that's very cool. Uh, what else you got coming up for Digital Kills the Radio Star? Well, we uh, we're actually going to interview Todd again this Sunday. Um, and who knows how long it's going to go. Um, we, we, we didn't even scratch the surface with, um, you know, the questions that we had for him and, uh, could not be a, uh, could not be a nicer guy. Uh, he told us he has some great stories that he's going to tell us and, um, we're doing that. Um, I just landed another interview, um, this morning. I'll tell I'll tell you who it is off the air. I don't want to say it on the air and, and jinx it, but okay. um, I think people are going to like that. And then uh, you're going to come on my show in a couple of weeks, and we're going to start doing a, kind of a midweek bonus episode where uh, I interview maybe other podcasters or uh, uh, other things that I find um, you know interesting. Whereas Chris and I can't be together to when we can't be together to do our podcast. And you're talking about being all over the map. Um, this weekend, I'm going to record a uh, podcast with my friend Gage Patterson, who lives in uh, Boise, Idaho, and we're going to discuss uh, the Grateful Dead's 1972 Europe tour and live album. Yeah, see, see, that's where that's where you and I definitely differ musically because I I can't hang with the with the jam band stuff. I just I can't do it, man. Uh, I respect it, but I can't I can't handle it. <laughs> Well, for, you know, I, I, I agree with you on some of it. It gets uh, far out there, but uh, uh, I do like widespread panic and government mule and Almond Brothers and, and stuff like that. And, I, don't uh, got, I don't got 10 hours to kill for one song, man. Right, right, <laughs> right. Well, that that's kind of what keeps me from being a prog fan, I guess, uh, you know. But yeah, Grateful Dead. I'm not a huge Grateful Dead fan, but the Europe 72 live album, for whatever reason, is one of my favorite albums. And uh, so we're going to go we're going to go long form on that, probably about 90 minutes. So uh, if you're out there listening and you're a deadhead, uh, of course, get, it's going to be 90 minutes. Why wouldn't it be three and a half, four hours? <laughs> right, right. Man, but, I, I, so so that's interesting is that you're you're you like widespread panic, uh, and, and some of these things, but you're not a, a dead fan, huh? Yeah, it, 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 it is weird. I know I'm in college. I went, I went to Ole Miss and Jojo Herman, who's in widespread panic lived in Oxford at the time. And, uh, you know, it was just, you, if you went to school there, you had to be a widespread panic fan. And, uh, they really grew on me. I, I've seen them several times. Uh, you know, I, uh, have uh, man just hundreds and hundreds of songs of theirs from bootlegs and, and live releases, but uh, uh, I can get into them as easy as I can. Metallica. That's it, man. You got anything else to say to the listeners before we we sign off here? Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, doing your podcast, and uh, we'll have you on mine here soon. Cool. Look forward to it. Peace. Thank you. All right. I said, Hotel, 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.